We're in chapter 1 and we'll be reading from verse 5 to 2, verse 2. A few years ago, as you can probably tell by my uh, shape, uh, it was a few years ago and I haven't done it for a long time, but I used to love exercise and one of my favourite exercise uh, workouts to do was kickboxing. I used to go to a local kickboxing gym and I used to take my two daughters with me Whenever I had my daughters in the gym, I would always tell them to, to stand with a good guard and to keep the fists up by the chin so that they couldn't get hit in the chin so that they would protect themselves. I used to drum it into them all the time. I'd be shouting, put your guard up, put your guard up, because he always dropped the guard. Then one day, I was sparring with somebody and my daughters were watching me spar for a change. Anyway, as I was sparring, uh, I moved to avoid a punch and I got kicked in the side of the head and it temporarily knocked me out. My youngest daughter was there and you would think that she would be horrified or shocked or even upset or concerned for her dad. But instead of being concerned, she shouted, Dad, practice what you preach. Put your guard up. So what I'd done was I'd instilled a principle to my children's life, yet I wasn't living by it personally. It was humiliating and painful for me. It was a lesson learned. But not only can we be like that in uh, aspects of life, many of us as Christians can be like that as well. I was telling Esther how to fight, but I wasn't doing what I should do. And similarly, as, as Christians, we can often claim to be Christians, yet fail to live how Christians should live. And this is one of the reasons why John has written this letter to the church. The church was being polluted by false teachers. People who were spreading lies about God, spreading lies about what was and wasn't sinful. People who were spreading lies about the need for salvation and what brings salvation. The church was confused about what it meant to be a Christian because of all this false teaching and hypocrisy. The church was in a mess. Many people who claimed to be Christians lived a lifestyle that was contrary to what it meant to be a Christian. The church was reflecting the world instead of reflecting Jesus. And 2,000 years later, we can see the same thing happening today in the church within the UK. Churches and Christians often failing to practice what they preach. So if we look at the first verse, it says, this is the message we have heard from him and declare to you, God is light. In him, there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him, and yet we walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the Righteous One. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Not only for our sins, but of the sins of the whole world. Let's just pray. Father, we come before you and we give thanks for your word. We thank you that your word has power. That your word is as relevant today as it was when it was first written. 
And Lord, we just pray that as we read your word this morning, that you will challenge us by your word and through your spirit, that you will encourage us, Lord, and that you will make us more like your son, Jesus. In his name we pray, amen. So let's look at verse 5 again. It says, this is the message we have heard from him and declare to you, God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. So what John is saying is that Jesus, God the Son, has explained the gospel to the apostles. And now it is their job to explain it to others. The original readers of this letter and us here today. John gives us a very important lesson. He gives us an important lesson on how we should share the gospel. And that is to start with God. To tell people who God is and what he is like. Starting the gospel with us is the wrong approach. We should always start preaching the gospel with God at the centre. And John tells us that God is light. Totally, fully, 100% light. And 0% darkness. This gospel message is all about God. It's all about God's holiness. It's all about God's glory. God's unapproachable light. His glory, his perfection, his holiness, his light that directs and gives life to his people. Recently, the Guardian newspaper wrote an article about anxiety and it mentions that anxiety has risen over 30% amongst teenagers and young adults since 2008. And this has been attributed to the fact that there's been a, a COVID pandemic. People are, are afraid about their health, afraid about death, afraid about wars and crime and death and disease. Another contributor is the fact that social media offers an unrealistic life, offers unrealistic ideas of what it looks like to be a man or a woman. People are body shamed. People give unrealistic expectations of what it means to be in relationships. And all this fear and darkness is contributing to self-harm and suicides and anxiety and depression. The world can be a dark place, often offering little or no hope. And even the glimmers of hope that it does occasionally offer is temporary and counterfeit. The world is desperate for hope. The world is desperate for life and the world is desperate for light. And the only life and light that comes that can bring hope is the light of Jesus. Jesus, God the Son in John 8, 12 speaks of himself of being the light of the world. It says, when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life without God. Without God the Son, God the Father, and God the Holy Spirit, the world is in darkness. The world is consumed by sin, and the world is consumed by death. Yet through Jesus, mankind can know and enjoy light and purity and life. And the question we need to ask ourselves this morning is, do we know the light and life that only comes from knowing Jesus as our saviour. And not only do we know about the light and life about Jesus, but do we feel compelled and excited to share about that life and light that comes from knowing Jesus. Verses six and seven go on and say, if we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, 
we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. So what John is saying is if God is 100% light and we claim to be Christians, followers of Jesus, and yet continue to habitually sin without repentance and without changing, if we continue to find our preferred sins acceptable, if we fail to repent, if we fail to seek to change, then our confession and our profession of faith is false. It must be a lie, and our lives must be a lie also. The fact that we come to church and pray and sing praises to God and read God's word is a lie and just hides the fact that we haven't really changed or met with Jesus the Savior. What he is saying is many of the church is saying we follow Jesus yet do another thing by following their own evil desires. And today many of us think that we can say a prayer and that guarantees us heaven. It's a, it's a get out of hell free card yet continue living our own sinful ways. Yet the Bible tells us that salvation isn't about saying a one-off prayer and continuing to live how we've always lived. The Bible tells us that if we truly trust in Jesus, he will purify us, that the sin we once loved we will find repulsive. We will hate it, and the life that we once lived will shame us and will, will turn us away to living a life that Jesus wants us to live. <coughs> That if we are truly saved, we will seek to live a new life in Jesus, in fellowship with God, in fellowship with one another as his church, keeping one another accountable, challenging one another and encouraging one another. I'll imagine many here this morning will have been students or at least met a few students being a, a big university town. Well, when I was a, a teenager, I used to go to a sixth form college I went to study GCSEs to do my resits and hopefully do some A-levels. I had a student union card which would get me cheap travel, a discount in the pizza shop and discount in clothes shops. I had a student bank account. I even got a student overdraft. When people asked me what I did for a living, I would say I was a student. I went to the college every day. I would sit in the common room every day. But unfortunately, I'd always miss my lectures every day. When the other students were in the library, often I was in the pub. When the other students were revising, I was often chatting up young girls. Unsurprisingly, it wasn't long before I was excluded from college. You see, I'd signed up at the college as a student. I'd bought all the books like a student. I bought the equipment, yet having the, the books and belonging to a college didn't mean that I was a student. To be a student, we need to study. When we begin to study, when we attend lessons, when we uh, attend lectures, when we read the books that we're told to read, when we write the essays we're told to write, and when we sit the exams that we're told to sit, that makes us a student, yet I wasn't doing any of those things. I was claiming to be a student, yet I wasn't living like one. And coming to a church, owning a Bible, singing and praying doesn't make you a Christian. Although these are good things, these are things we should be doing. They are meaningless if we continue to live like unbelievers. As Christians, we need to stop following the way of the world. We need to stop following the way of the devil and trust in and follow Jesus, our Lord and Saviour. And this morning, we all need to ask ourselves, what are we reflecting? 
Are we reflecting a life of someone who lives in the light? Or do we reflect a life of those who live in darkness? God gave us his church so that we can fellowship with one another as a sign of our salvation. And we need to ask ourselves, whom do we prefer to fellowship with? Those in darkness or God and your brothers and sisters in Christ? If not, we need to come before Jesus in repentance and be purified from our sin. Verses 8 and 10 go on and John says, If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. So we've just heard John rebuke those who are in the church, who claim to be Christians, yet continue to live ungodly lives. And now he's rebuking others who are in the church, yet claim to be without sin and a need for a saviour. The church has people who claim they don't sin. And when they go to bed on a night, they pat themselves on the back, congratulating themselves for being such a good, godly Christian, fooling themselves. They tell themselves and they tell others that because they go to church, because they pray, because they read the Bible, because they don't drink or swear and they pay the bills on time, that they're a good person, that they never sin. They look around the church at other people tutting and shaking their head at disapproval because of their ungodly lives pointing the fingers at sinners around them just like the pharisees the pharisee in luke's gospel who prayed in luke 18 9 to 14 i thank you god that i am not like other people cheaters sinners adulterers I'm certainly not like that tax collector. I fast twice a week and I give you a tenth of my income. You see, these people might fool themselves and some of these people might even fool us and others, but they will never fool God and he will humble them. He will humble us if that is what we are doing too. You see, sinfulness isn't just what you say and what you do. Sometimes sinfulness is what you don't say and what you don't do. Not saying sorry, not standing up for the weak, being greedy, having plenty and not sharing with those less fortunate. Jealousy, unforgiveness, bitterness, ungratefulness. The Bible is clear. Every man, woman and child ever born and that ever will be born, apart from Jesus, is born sinful. You see, if we are sat here today thinking that we are without sin, we are as bad as that Pharisee that Jesus talks about in the gospel of luke and if we were sat here thinking that we are without sin the consequences are the same for us as that pharisee that we hear about in luke jesus says i tell you this repentant sinner not the pharisee returned home justified before god for those who exalt themselves will be humble and those who humble themselves will be exalted however the good news is that if we humble ourselves if we confess our sins, he is faithful, he is just, and he will forgive our sins and purify us. Purify us from all unrighteousness. What John is telling us is we have a choice to humble ourselves in repentance or be humbled by God. The verses go on and say, my dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Not only 
for our sins, but the sins of the whole world. John shows that this warning comes not as a warning of disapproval or as a, a rebuke to a people he doesn't care about. John is bringing this warning in love, in care and in compassion. He calls the church his dear children, showing his care and responsibility for them. He's explaining that he's written this passage to, to explain to the church then and towards the church today that we have a responsibility to reject sin, that we have a responsibility to live a life following Jesus instead of following our own wicked desires. However, he also wants the church to know. He wants the church then and us today to understand that nobody will ever reach perfection until Jesus returns until we are in the new heavens and in the new earth, and that although we are to battle with sin on a daily basis, there will be times when we fail. Yet he doesn't want any of us to be discouraged, because the good news is that if anyone who repents, who says sorry for their sin and turns away from their old life and starts following Jesus, then Jesus will be their advocate, their friend and their defender that he will speak up for them, that he will speak up for you, that he will speak up for, for me, for us, before God. Before God the Father, he will stand and speak up for us. The righteous one, Jesus, God's son, fully God and fully man, the only sinless person ever to live, who died on a cross as a, as a sacrifice, a perfect sacrifice, an atoning sacrifice, which means on that cross he deflected God's anger that was aimed at us and he took it upon himself so that the repentant sinner can know God's forgiveness. The sacrifice by Jesus on the cross was enough to pay for the price of your sin, my sin and the sin of the whole world. If you turn to Jesus, if you say sorry for your sin and trust in him as your Lord and Saviour and follow him, you can know forgiveness. And that's awesome to know that we are forgiven for, for the sins that we have committed. But it gets better. Not only are we forgiven, but we are adopted. We are adopted by God the Father. Co-heirs with Jesus in his kingdom. Not only are we adopted, but we have the hope of eternal life in the new heavens and the new earth. A place without sin, sadness, pain, suffering or tears. A place of eternal joy in worshipping our God and our Father. Judas betrayed Jesus with a kiss. Judas handed his friend over to those who wanted to and did kill and torture him, hanging him from a cross. The darkest, darkest of sin, betraying the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, betraying the perfect Son of God. Judas, racked with guilt for his sin, tries to make amends. In Matthew 27, we see early in the morning, all the chief priests and the elders of the people made their plans how to have Jesus executed. So they bound him, led him away and handed him over to Pilate the governor. When Judas, who had betrayed him, saw that Jesus was condemned, he was seized with remorse and returned the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders. I have sinned, he said, for I have betrayed innocent blood. What is that to us, they replied. That's your responsibility. So Judas threw the money to the temple and left. Then he went away and hanged himself. The chief priests picked up the coins and said, it is against the law to put this into the treasury since it's blood money. So they decided to use the money to buy the butter's field as a burial place for foreigners. 
That is why it's been called the field of blood to this day. Then what was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet was fulfilled. They took the 30 pieces of silver, the price set on him by the people of Israel, and they used them to buy the potter's field as the Lord commanded me. The saddest thing uh, about this was Judas who spent every day with Jesus for three years listening to Jesus preach didn't understand the gospel he didn't understand it he didn't understand that if he had repented that instead of throwing the coins on the floor if he'd have threw himself on the floor before Jesus crying out in repentance then he too could have been forgiveness the light of God is far brighter than any darkness of sin if Judas had have trusted in Jesus, he too could have been forgiven. God is the light and life of the world. And those who say they are God's people will love walking in the light, being with God, and spending time together with his church. And those who don't, lie. Let's close in prayer. Father, we come before you and we thank you that your light is so bright, is so beautiful, is so unapproachable, Lord that it cancels out every single sin ever done, Lord. And we just pray if there's anyone here this morning who feels shame and guilt and like they are unable to know your forgiveness, Lord, that they will see that the light of your son, Jesus Christ, can cover any sin, Lord. And I pray for those of us here who do know your forgiveness, Lord. I pray that you will help us to live a life that reflects your light rather than the darkness of this world. I pray that we will use the church for what you created it for, is a place to come and have fellowship with you, to have fellowship with one another and reflect your love and forgiveness to those around us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.